There we go. Okay, so we're in episode 47 of the Silly Goose Gang. I'm a delight by Ben Aldridge, who has written a tremendous book called How to Be Comfortable with Being Uncomfortable. 43 weird and wonderful build a strong and resilient mindset. Ben, thank you very much for joining us. Hey guys, thank you so much for inviting me on. It's very uh, exciting for me to be able to speak to you today. <laughs> That's the first time anybody's ever been excited to speak to Ali, in fairness. So. <laughs> even his wife, even his wife is excited to speak to him. So. Yeah, just me a after 19 years, he's had enough. However, that's a, that's a story for a different point. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, ben, obviously, as I said there in the intro, you, you wrote the book, How to Be Comfortable with Being Uncomfortable. Um, and it's a topic that both me and Chris have spoke about a few times on our podcast, you know, that idea of comfortable. Um, being uncomfortable. So, where, where did the idea kind of come from for you to 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 start the book or or to to start getting comfortable with being uncomfortable? Yeah. So the the book and this whole project has come off the back of actually really bad anxiety, which uh, a few years ago it just hit me out of the blue. I didn't have any idea really what it was, and it really knocked me for six. And I didn't have any systems in place to deal with it. And it was really scary because it was the unknown. And when I started having panic attacks and all of these like severe anxiety symptoms, I really didn't know what to do. Um, so this whole project is basically how I learned to deal with that and how the various philosophies and psychologies that I've been studying have helped me. And this all kind of came together and uh, it's now in this book. So it's uh, it's been very exciting to push it out into the world and to get feedback from readers and um, basically to see all the challenges that people have been doing. Because the book is based on this concept that if you step outside of your comfort zone and you complete these challenges, you become more resilient and you get better at doing more challenging things. So really, it's been really fascinating for me to put it out and, and to get this uh, reception from so many people. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting, isn't it, that, that people have, um, you know, their, their their comfort zones and they don't like stretching out of it. We were just talking, you know, before we came on that two of the things you mentioned in the book, and they're a fear for a lot of people, is public speaking and talking to strangers. And it's kind of what me and Chris have been doing, you know, since we launched this podcast is doing public speaking, you know, it's out there permanently on, you know, the various platforms um, yeah. and talking to strangers, people we've never met. And there has been times before various podcasts where me and Chris have had like a little bit sweaty palms and God, this is this is quite a big guest we're talking to. And then once we start talking to them, we realise that well actually they're just normal. They're humans. They they've got fears, <laughs> values, you know, they're they're you build it up into such a big deal that once you get talking to them, you're like, oh they're actually pretty cool and they're just like all the rest of us. Yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? It's we've all got our comfort zones, we've all got things that make us feel um uncomfortable. And I think exploring those different things uh, has certainly for me made a huge difference in my life and I think you've given a great example public speaking is like the number one fear isn't it it's, it ranks higher than death so I think that says a lot about it and um, it's actually playing around with these concepts it's kind of counterintuitive if you lean into things that scare you a little bit but actually there's a huge amount of growth that you can experience from that and really in the book and what I this whole project has been about has been that essentially learning to uh, lean into fears and difficult things to to learn more about who I am and how to deal with the uh, difficulty. 
Yeah. yeah, it's um, one of the things that I, I'm sure we've spoken about this. I, I think I asked somebody and they didn't, they didn't know this before, Ali, you can correct me. Now, did you do any research into the, the history of the, the fear of public speaking? Because I think I've read someplace or heard someplace before that it was to do with how humans evolved. And if you had to speak publicly, it was because you had to defend yourself from having something and bad in your own life that was like why people were terrified of you know genetically why people kind of it was you know things carrying dna and people got if they had to speak publicly it was to defend themselves from you know you know not getting enough berries whatever it would be you know whatever whatever it be celebrate that's where it came from did you do any research about that something i find interesting I didn't do any research with that. For me, it was just about it's uh, it's something that's scary and actually so many people find it uh, difficult. And it's one of those things that is actually a great challenge because so many people can relate to it. Mm. Uh, often the thought of getting up in front of a room of strangers and having to give a presentation, maybe it's to do with work or maybe it's in another context, a speech like at a wedding or something, they, often that can cause um, an extreme amount of anxiety in people. So it's just really interesting to play around with things like this in a controlled environment. And the theory is that, you know, that's a great challenge. That's a great thing for you to get into. But the theory is that when you do it in a controlled environment, it prepares you for when the curveballs in life happen that, you know, you can't control. And then the idea is that you, you have systems in place. Uh, for me, that was the whole anxiety thing. I had nothing in place. So when it came, I just couldn't deal with it. So really, it's just been about trying out different things and uh, that whole process of learning about what works for me and different ideas that connect with me has been really interesting and then you've got to test it out and that's why it's important to have both philosophy and challenge yeah that's um one of the things you, you know you just said there is, is what works for you because what's very becomes apparent i think as you get older and the more certainly doing this the more people you, you speak to um as you realize that people deal with every situation in life slightly differently you know and, and, you know and, and whatever you think works for you might be just not doesn't make sense to somebody else and it might make perfect sense you know it's amazing how how completely different we all are although we're all very similar how mentally everything maybe just doesn't make sense in one way makes sense in another way it's, it's really a fascinating thing um how each individual and i think the more conversation you have you know, everybody gets a broader understanding of how to deal with like public anxiety, public, you know, these things. It's, it's quite interesting. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. And I love that there are so many different things that you could use to, to deal with um, adversity and challenging situations. And you never know what's going to resonate with you. So really, it's, it's about being open and trying to connect with as many different ideas as possible. Uh, and so for me, that was just through reading, but I think also for for you guys as well just speaking to loads of different people and getting just taking bits that resonate with you and then using them that's the that's the exciting part i think especially for for a podcast yeah definitely yeah. it's it so weird though that people have that i i kind of publicly speak for a living i'm a trainer for nationwide building society so i stand up in front of groups of new people and my job is to make them all feel really comfortable and talk to them and teach them sometimes quite technical information and i genuinely love it and the yeah. amount of people that finally say to me, Ali, how do you get up in front of a group every day and talk? And I'm like, I just, you just do it. I enjoy it. 
and everyone, the amount of people that even if you'll say to him, it's your turn to present, you're going to come up and talk about the little project you've done. And you can see the colour draining out. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, come on, someone's going to have to come up and talk about you know, what you've just been researching. Uh, everyone's going to have a turn to do it. And you can see people are really hesitant to do it. And I find yeah. that in my very weird because I genuinely love it. Um, you know, if nothing else, they're trapped in a room for seven hours and can't get away from my bad banter. So, you know, <laughs> um, but you can see people's panic sometimes when you say to them, okay, Chris, it's your turn to stand up and talk in front of the group. And they're like, oh my God, like, I can't talk. Public speaking. Yes. Yeah. 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 a very, very weird fear. But as you say, it's, it's often or is the number one fear for so many people. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really interesting. And I think it's about how you frame it as well, because if you do it, the more you do it, the more comfortable you get doing it. So yeah. I think obviously for you, it's no big deal, but you're going to have something in your life that you would find difficult and challenging. And it's dealing with being ginger. Obviously, that's his, his biggest thing. <laughs> um, it's one, of, one of the things that's quite funny is, um, is I don't get nervous about really anything nothing really bothers me but Ali keeps wanting to bring on people who you know deal with snakes and that's something that freaks me out finally like yeah it's, it's something that doesn't make sense like I've you know been claiming help and then it's been really misty and then and, and foggy and horrible it's like what if there's a big cat like what if there's a big cat attack and in my head I'm thinking about how I'm going to fight off a big cat and then as Ali mentions snakes, and I go, oh, it's, it's horrible. It's something, and that's that's my public speaking. I just can't deal with that idea in my head. It's horrible, really awful. Um, so yeah, yeah. That, that's my public speaking. It's snakes. <laughs> I love it. Well, that's it. It's uh, it's interesting how everyone has a different thing that they find challenging, and it's uh, you can have a lot of fun with it. Actually, in the book, I talk about this concept called the anti-bucket list. Now, everyone knows what a bucket list is. It's a, a list mm. of things you want to do before you die. Uh, maybe you want to go to Vegas, see the Northern Lights. I don't know. It's, everyone has their own thing that they want to do. The anti-bucket mm. list is based off the things that we don't want to do before we die. Uh, and that's when I talk about creating challenges in the book. Because obviously in the book, there's lots of things that I've done, but I want to encourage readers to create their own challenges. So the anti-bucket list is a great way of doing this. And it's all the things you don't want to do before you die, things that you're scared of, things that you can avoid uh, because you're an adult. It's very easy to, to not do those things. But actually, if we turn the things that scare us into a potential challenge, um, there's so much growth that can come off the back of it, more growth than if you were to do something on your bucket list. And it's so counterintuitive and yeah. it's really... It's a really weird thing, but for you, Chris, like you've got to go and you know no. play around with some snakes, no. or like no. you've got to find a way to no. to turn it into no. a challenge. Like literally, name and like I've always said, like the only other thing that really freaks me out is is um like skydiving or bungee jumping. But yeah. in my head, I'm kind of waiting. This is just me. Maybe I'm a lunatic. I'm kind of waiting until I'm like 75 years old to maybe do that because then <laughs> okay. if I, if I, if I die doing it, then well, I've done something crazy when I was like 80 years old, 75 years old, you know. So that wouldn't bother me. But yes, I'm not. I'm not touching snakes ever. Like, I tried to get a couple of snake experts on as soon as I mentioned it. I get to snoo, and Chris is like, nope. <laughs> No, no, no they won't not. even take them on. They won't have pictures or anything. No, yeah. even talking about it is just a heart. That's, 
that sounds like there's loads that you could get from that experience. I know it sounds ridiculous, but yeah, like for running, instance, running I did you really might... fast. <laughs> <laughs> like for me, I had a really bad fear of needles. Like I hated needles so so much it was really like they terrified me uh, and because i was doing all of these challenges to try and learn how to deal with adversity i decided that i would go and get acupuncture and if you hate needles this is like the worst thing you could possibly do because they put needles yeah. in your face and in your hair and in your like everywhere um but actually going and facing this and staring that fear in the eyes and going and pushing myself into that um situation really helped me to change my relationship with it. And there were so many lessons from it. So um, that was a really powerful experience for me and something mm -hmm. that I won't forget. So actually we can turn these things around and we can learn a lot. So I think, you know, it's got, it's got to be yeah, done. I'm You've not, got to um, get, the, get the snakes out. I'm not, uh, nope. I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, needles are a thing that I don't like either. Um, so I have no tattoos. Uh, I, I have never, I've, I would really like to give blood uh, and I just can't to the point where um, I didn't get the injection to get fillings, so they just drilled my teeth out with no like numbing because I don't like needles. Yeah. But like I would, like I would if I had to obviously get a needle. It's not that bad. Whereas you mm. know snakes is just non-negotiable. That's and that's literally <laughs> it. Other than that, so yeah. So needles is one. That's a weird thing as well. But you know, I, you know, I would if I had. To. Yeah, it's like it get needles by him yeah snakes is yeah when it comes to chris with snakes chris is 100 a carol dweck fixed mindset on it he has no interest <laughs> in moving into the growth side of that equation <laughs> yeah. okay i have no idea like growth anywhere else that's <laughs> that's no it's, it's really interesting like and that that yeah, concept is, as well yeah. mindset which is uh, has been really influential for me as well. That book, the Carol Dweck book, mindset is uh, is really interesting, and I found that that was really helpful to just to understand it, to to see that there are two types of mindset. There's a fixed mindset, um, and there's a growth mindset. And actually, I could see that there were so many areas in my life that were very fixed. So mm. learning to look at them and actually like attack them and it's this this whole project has been very like lean out into the unknown step out of your comfort zone and, and actually seeing the mindset side of it and how carol dweck's concept applies to it was really uh inspiring for me it's actually in the book as well at the start i write a little bit about um that concept it's, it's such a song we we use our i use um and we at work use a lot of carol dweck's fixed versus growth mindset because as i say we're training and teaching people new skills and new technology for the first time you know you'll show someone something once and they will know and you know because it's it's scary it's it's something that they've never seen they've never used you, they know they're not going to master it in the space of you know however long they've got in the training room and it's trying to turn it from that fix to the growth to encourage people to try it and the people that are able to do that are, are generally way more successful than people that remain fixed. They just they never they never really develop any further than that, which is why we're going to get Chris to talk about snakes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, it's, the bizarre thing is, uh, on a personal level, I 
constantly aim for things that I suck constantly, always looking for something. What am I not? You know, what am I not good at? Uh, and I will try it because because just no. Um, but yeah, you know, the thing that you know we use, we've used the, the you know that the, the term you know being comfortable, being uncomfortable in Brazilian jiu-jitsu that me and Ali do, and it's a you know it's a situation where you have to be comfortable because it sucks a lot of the time. Um, you have to make it in your head go, okay, well, this is just going to suck. We'll have to figure it out. Um, so it's a term we've used quite a lot with that. Um, but yeah, I think um, I think most of it, we're, we're kind of on a, you know, although it's the same idea, so I'm doing sort of physical challenges out with my comfort zone where you're doing it more based on kind of, uh, more kind of mentally, I think. Is that, is that more kind of what you're talking about? Well, there's, yeah, so in the book, there's three types of challenges that I, mm. that come in different categories. So the ones that yeah. we, yeah, we've just talked about are mental, um, yeah. but there's also physical ones and skill-based ones. Yeah. So for the physical ones, um, I ran my first marathon and started mm. like, like climbing. Well, actually I've been climbing before, but I got into it in a different way, started trail okay. climbing and um, developing that. And um lots of challenges in the gym and like long distance walking and all of these things that would physically push me. So that's one right, aspect okay. of yeah, yeah, stepping yeah. outside of your comfort zone. Cause obviously there's loads of different ways you can do it. And physically um, there's so much that you can gain from pushing yourself in a, like, yeah. the, like when you're physically exhausted, there's a lot of lessons there as well. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. I love, you know, I love the, um, I don't even know, you know, where the quote came from, but you know the, um, you know, fatigue makes cowards of us all. I love that phrase. I really <laughs> like that phrase. Sue, sorry. Vince Lombardi was a Green Bay Packers coach uh, back in the sixties in American football. Okay. Okay. Oh, that's I, a great I, quote. I like. I, yeah, I like that quote. So yeah. So um, yeah. So, so what are you doing? Proper rock climbing. Yeah, so there's lot, yeah, lot, lots of climbing that I'm I'm really into. I like alpinism. Um, I like oh, mountaineering right. and um, climbing at the gym, and then just rock okay. climbing in general. Yeah. Just a, a mix of everything, really, um, and yeah. bouldering as well. So it's it's oh, been a, it's a really yeah. good sport because there's a huge part of the mental side of it as well. Yeah, um, that's yeah. it's one of those the, things where um, you know watch um, so. Just, you know, people, you know, the only reason I ask that is because, you know, when people say they like to climb, sometimes you mean just, you know, climb rows in Scotland, but they also can mean proper rock climbing. So, they, they you know, the, the proper rock climbing stuffs, you know, like, um, oh God, what was the documentary called again? Uh, oh, Free Solo. Yeah, that kind of stuff. That's that's uh, amazing to me. That, that's a, that, I mean, that really is taking, stepping outside a comfort zone, right? Well, that's the extreme. That's the, like, absolute minority <laughs> of people. Like, that's, yeah, that's yeah. the next level. Yeah, um, it's amazing, his, his mind, though, how he does that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. It's what's, a great um, what's, a, what's a, amazing to me is when you, when you see a guy like that who is, you know, you would expect a guy like that to be not, you know, not me head, that's the wrong kind of thing, but you know, like a sort of a, like a tough guy, you know, doing these crazy things. And then he's like this kind of like almost nerdy, you know, really thin guy. And it's like, this is not what you'd expect from a guy who's doing literally life or death is, you know, a millimeter away. It's, that's, it's, that's crazy. 
Um, you know, he's he's the mind on that guy is is uh, insane, like really insane. How how like, strong willed he must be to to attempt those things. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, I don't want to try that either. But uh, it looks, <laughs> it look, you know, you know, the rock climbing, rock climbing stuff looks like really good fun. So, um, but yeah. So did you did you find did you find um, that a lot of these a lot of these things helped with the mental aspect as well as well you know because the physical often helps the mental is that something that you found as well yeah yeah i did i i think that's a hundred percent true the fact that i started to really challenge myself physically and get into that uh, that space that made a huge difference to my anxiety that was really helpful mm-hmm. but yeah. also just mindset as well when for instance like running a marathon when you're at mile 22 you're absolutely shattered and then it's all about your mind yeah. Um, and it's there's so much that goes on there so it, it's trying to stay positive and all of these things again that I'd been studying and reading on philosophy psychology I could use these tools and tricks when I was in these different situations and whether it's climbing or whether it's running uh, when you're exhausted or when you're scared you can use these tools and actually you can see that they work and it's that's really helpful because then you know that if you if you're facing a similar situation where you're scared or uh, you're exhausted in the different context you've got systems that work so it's yeah, yeah for me it was that's brilliant um having some kind of um physical outlet for that and also to test out these these tools yeah i've done um i've done a few marathons as well so i, I understand the uh you know around about you know 2021 20, when it starts to go this sucks yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah I've, I've, I've been there and everything becomes just horrible and then but then on the flip side of that when you cross the finishing line you get a medal and you feel 10 feet tall you're like, fuck man like i did that because there's nobody to help you right there's nobody to help you then you can go home night go, well I, actually i did that and if i could overcome that and i could overcome really yeah exactly exactly and i think it's uh it's a boosting confidence and i think every time you step out of a, your comfort zone every time you do something that's a little bit difficult these ideas and these experiences compound and you you gain confidence from it because you know that you've done these things in the past and actually that makes a, a massive difference and i think you can just look back at all the little steps that you've taken and before you know it yeah. you, you start doing bigger and crazier things yeah is that um as 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 a reef is that you know just because you've said that there ben is that something that you you, you quite like to reflect you know all these things do you like to have a like a like a you know a setback sometimes and think about you know where you've come from to where you are and then where the journey yeah i think reflection self-reflection and being aware of everything is massively important so in the book i talk about I write my experience of each challenge and then I talk about what I learned. So it's it's really leaning into what I've taken from each experience. And sometimes things will go mm. wrong and that's great because you learn loads from that. And I think it's uh, it's that self-reflection and then you, you can see all of these uh, different um, challenges and things that you've done. It compounds, you, you get that boost in confidence and then I think it helps you to tackle bigger goals in the future as well. Yeah, definitely. Just when you're talking about philosophy there, Ben, one of the things that you talk a lot in the book about is stoicism. So so what kind of attracted you into the, the stoic philosophy initially? Yeah, so stoicism has actually 
one of the most um, profoundly influential philosophies in my life. I think that was the thing that really inspired everything when I was in that really bad, anxious space because I started reading about the Stoics and because this was just when I first started trying to understand what was going on with my anxiety. I just read so many books from so many different uh, genres, from psychology to philosophy, self-help, anything that I could get my hands on. And Stoicism happened to be one of the subjects that I started reading about and it really connected to me and I just kind of fell in love with it. And now it's probably the the main way that I try to view things through like a Stoic lens. It's like that takes up a huge portion of how I try and see the world. And the Stoics were brilliant because they would do stuff like this. They would deliberately step outside of their comfort zones to um, build resilience. And they were quite kind of crazy characters. They would expose themselves to the cold and the heat and they would sleep on hard surfaces and fast from food and water and do all of these brilliant things to train their minds. And it's very practical. Mm. So there's the kind of philosophical academic side of things, but they would just go out and test it in the real world. So you can see where I've really taken my inspiration from the Stoics and creating these challenges. And some have actually taken from the Stoics directly, like cold exposure. Um, but obviously a lot of them are personal to me and things that I've found difficult. So it's going to be different for everyone as well. But that's that's how I got into Stoicism, just through reading yeah. and uh, just to kind of, kind of fell in love with it. I think it's a great philosophy from... And it's it's from ancient Greece and Rome, so about two thousand years ago when it yeah. started. It's crazy that it's still relevant today. I I found about stoicism about maybe five or six years ago now. Um, as I've kind of already hinted, I'm a big American football fan, and I started to see all these coaches referencing the obstacle is the way by yeah. Ryan Holiday, um, and a lot of the coaches that were being very successful and had, had developed really good programs kept referencing this book was key to to how they were working. Um, so I kind of got the book and read it and then got introduced to Stoicism. So, And, and it's crazy that, as you say, 2,000 years later, it, it's it's still relevant compared to, you know, some things from 2,000 years ago certainly are no longer <laughs> relevant. If anything, Stoicism seems to have became, I don't know if it's just more exposure to it, but it seems to have almost become more relevant in the last maybe 10, 5 years or so. Yeah, absolutely. It's getting more um recognition as well i think that you you're spot on that that's how i found stoicism with the same book uh, the obstacle is the way by ryan holiday that was my route into stoicism and then just from there reading all of these other things but you're right it feels like it's getting more and more relevant it's getting more exposure people are writing about it more there's some amazing um people mm -hmm. putting content out about stoicism ross edgley i don't know if you've read his incredible book um mm. the art of resilience he's the guy who swam around yeah. great britain yeah yeah yeah. and there's a yeah. huge influence of like stoicism is a big part of that journey for him as well so i think we're going to start to see it taking off uh, as more people get into it because it's so practical and that's that's probably one of the reasons why people can connect to it, it doesn't matter if you have a faith in your life or whatever your background is you could be an atheist you could be agnostic it doesn't matter because stoicism doesn't it's not about that it's the practical side of it there are elements of that as well that it talks about but it's not it's it's more of a philosophy than a, a religion so that that's the key thing about it you can kind of take from it what you want it's not a um it's not a set way of um 
conforming to yeah, a set of rules, I guess that's it. Yeah, it's not it's not a doctrine, is it? It's kind of a no. it's like a menu of things that as you see, yeah. some people but you know, some of them I've read and I've thought, I can't get much from this and then other ones, you know, I've read stuff and you kinda of sit there and you read a page and you kinda of go Wow, <laughs> like this is someone writing two and a half, you know, two thousand years ago that has no relevance mm. to the twenty first century and how we live. And I tell you what, he has absolutely nailed that yeah. to the mast yeah. with, you know, with what Cato said, what Marcus Aurelius has said in uh, meditations or whatever it might be. And you do kind of take a moment and go, "Damn!" Like two thousand years ago, this dude was thinking that, and here we yeah. are, you know, two thousand years later, talking on. You know, mobile devices connected through magic, <laughs> and we're still talking about philosophers from from two thousand years ago. Yeah, and it's it's so relevant, and right now as well, especially what's happening in the world. And I think it's it's about the the key thing really at the moment. I think that's worth holding on to is the element of control, which Stoicism talks a lot about, and I've found that really helpful in my life. Looking at the things that we can control and that we can't control. And actually, most things we can't control. So we need to focus on our response to external situations. And that's really how we can deal with uh, whatever happens to us. We can be prepared because we focus on how we respond. It ultimately doesn't matter what happens to us. It's how we deal with it. Now, that's it's easy to say that, isn't it? But it's putting it into practice. But the thing is, you still that's where you're paralyzing how you choose to respond. So I like that. It gives you some kind of control when everything else is out of control. Definitely. I saw, I saw the quote that I kind of go back to a lot, similar to what you're saying there, Ben, about, you know, external forces and not worrying about it too much, is the idea of like a boat. Um, I can't remember where I'd read it, but he said, you know, you don't worry about the water outside the boat. You worry about the water inside the boat because that's the stuff that causes the problems. You know, the water should be outside the boat. You don't have to worry about the massive ocean if you're on a small boat. But once the water starts getting into the boat, that's when you need to start worrying about it. So don't worry about the water outside the boat. Worry if it gets yeah. inside the boat. Nice. I like it. Yeah, that uh, perfectly sums it up, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's the way I've always uh, I've always thought of it. But yeah, I can see that stores them just as well. We were talking just before we jumped on here about uh, Robin Dreek, former head of the FBI, uh, counterintelligence, and he he was talking about one of our early episodes, and he said he's he's changed his slightly just with us talking about not being too much of a doctrine, and he's changed his into what he classes as empathy, which is what he used to recruit spies from Russia to the U.S. government, and he said it was stoic empathy. So it was kind of amalgamating the best of the two because he said he thought he felt stoicism was sometimes too cold, too logical, too clinical when he was dealing with humans and in, in the way of recruiting them as a spy. Um, and he said, you know, the empathy side of it allowed you the the kind of into the person using a bit of stoicism tied in with empathy. And he started talking about his his philosophy, if you like, that he's working on his empathy, a combination of stoicism okay. with empathy to give you both sides of the the coin which I thought would be quite interesting. Yeah, that's really nice. And I think the thing is it's that's that's a perfect example of taking different concepts and kind of mashing them together, uh, which is really important. I think whenever you're having to deal with things in life, it's nice to have a some kind of systems and but we don't have to rely on one, we can just pick and choose and like so I got into a lot of different things that helped me. Uh, to deal with anxiety and to and to face challenging situations. So I, I always like um exploring different ideas because you never know which idea might kind of reveal something some kind of secret that might help you yeah. in the future 
I would. Um, what I found amazing right there was that you remember what Robin said six months ago. <laughs> That's amazing. I can't remember yeah. what day it is. You just remember something <laughs> that Robin Reed said six months ago. That's insane. It's, it's, it's generally joking one, aside. One. Yeah, it, joking aside, it's because it really resonated with what I was talking about. You know, reading into the Stoics uh, okay. and kind of looking at you know that works, but it sometimes is too logical. It is too cold. It is too you know if you take it to the extreme and only worry about what impacts you, then then it can make you sometimes or it could make you cold and heartless because, well, someone else has died, it hasn't impacted me, so I don't have to worry about that if you take it mm. to the extreme. Whereas having that sympathy with the empathy involved gives you that balance between, as we're saying, don't worry about the water outside the boat, but also have recognition that if someone's drowning in that water, extend a hand and pull them into your boat. And that's where the idea of sympathy comes from. Or if we're, oh, that was the way Robin was kind of explaining it, which kind of, resonated with me as a nice kind of balance between the two that little bit of light and dark yeah, makes sense actually it's a good idea um yeah that's uh you know you could tell that you you could tell uh ben that ali is very well read um and i i i'm i i can't I can't sit down to read a book. I really struggle to just sit down. And, obviously, I can read, <laughs> but um, I just can't sit down to read a book. I just um, it's one of those things, and I really it's one of those things that maybe maybe that's one of the things that I should do to um, to take myself out my comfort zone because I I really like the idea of reading, like sitting down and reading a book. Um, it's just one of those things that I, I really just I can never get into that zone to to read. Um, so maybe that's one of the things that I should really do, as uh, to you know to do something that I haven't done. Uh, what about audiobooks that... though? Do you listen to audiobooks? Uh, the the issue I have with any audiobook is it has to be read by the author, otherwise it, it feels like something somebody doesn't mean what they're saying. It's just empty words. Do you know? Does that make sense? Like it has to be, you know, it has to be read by the author otherwise it's just somebody saying words that they don't really believe in if that makes sense or maybe i'm crazy i, I don't know um but yeah so i listen to a lot of podcasts so i have listened to like i listen to a lot of, that's how i take a lot of information and um audiobooks i have um but they have to be it has to be written read by the author otherwise it's just kind of i don't believe this i don't believe the words that you're saying right but the thing is pod podcasts uh there's so many as well uh, there's so many yeah. out there and it's uh it's really interesting to to see how that's taken off over the last five years or so yeah but yeah i, I, I genuinely i really like that I, I, I like um i like so i i do have some books i just can't ever sit so i like to physically have them <laughs> i just really can't get into reading them you know i might read two or three pages and go oh yeah i'll read two or three pages tomorrow and then tomorrow never comes of course um so you know it's maybe one actually setting myself a target of just reading pages a day and actually doing work um it's just you know that's maybe one of the things i need to do to take myself out of that comfort zone of it's very easy to just sit down and watch netflix at night for an hour before i you know go to bed um but yeah um you know ali reads about four or five books a day i think um, <laughs> I, I I just, I just, you know. I've normally got about three books in the go. I tend to, I'll be like you were saying, Ben, in, in your book, 
where you um you know you talk about reading like a quite heavy non-fiction technical book i'm really bizarre and enjoyed reading them um mm. i've always got like a really heavy non-fiction book i've normally got some form of historical non-fiction and then i've always got a random fiction novel for popcorn for mm. the brain kind of sat on the side and i'll, I'll yeah. depend on the mood i'll drop in and out of you know because i love reading about um you know, like what would have been considered the Dark Ages, you know, kind of Viking Britain up until kind of the Wars of Independence neck of the woods, um, along with some weird technical stuff from uh, my sports science uh, days. And then have like, a, you know, a Lee Child sat on the side to, to drop in and out of as well. So, but it works. It works for me and I enjoy doing it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's nice. I, I think I'm like you because I have lots of different books on the go at the same time. And then I have like an audio book as well that I like to have something when i'm walking around um so it's just juggling everything but i think it is discipline as well it's finding a time to uh sit down mm. each day and have something that you really care about if there's a higher purpose to the reading it's helping you to learn all these different things so for me it just it completely changed everything so i just i'm obsessed with it because it helped me out of such a dark place um it helped me mm. to understand so many systems that I could use when I was really anxious and it taught me about anxiety so I think that's that's why I have like a really strong connection to it see that's that's uh, uh, uh you know what you've just said there Ben it's quite interesting because the way that I would do what you've just described is genuinely go run some hills at night that's how I would make things make sense in my head to, to think about things to think things that's how I would do that is the book i would you know chuck on my bag uh, with a head torch and go climb some hills at night and that's how i would make that same connection like that's how i make that work in my head um which is quite an interesting thing again it's not you know there's no right way and wrong way it's it's how an individual makes things and, and becomes comfortable being uncomfortable you know in their own head i suppose um yeah it's quite an interesting it's quite an interesting take hmm I feel like uh, I feel like I just I feel like I just I feel like I just something just clicked in my head there. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah. You know, the thing is, you, you're right though, Chris, because I know you're saying like I'm well read, but I know you're an absolute savage in the gym. So, do you know what I mean? Everyone's got their everyone's got their niche, haven't they? Um, and no one can can dispute the fact Wait, you're a working. Did master. you just did you just sort of call me stupid? <laughs> well, you know, I, 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 I read a lot, but you know, you're quite strong. You're strong. Yeah. <laughs> I, think right. I think that's what you just did there. I think that's good, oh, no, genuinely. I, you know, I love, um, you know, I love documentaries. You know, oh, you know, you know, like Ali was talking about, you know, Viking Britain. I could watch documentaries for days about this stuff. You know, ancient Egypt. I could watch documentaries for days. I just can't read about it. Yeah. yeah, it's just one of those things. Yeah, I just can't read about it. I, I can't get excited to read the book. Like you say, you have it has to be something that you're passionate about. And I just I don't get passionate about reading the book. But um, you know, I, I would watch a documentary about it. Um, but yeah, it's quite it's quite an interesting it's quite interesting because I think we're coming. I think we're arriving at the same uh, end goal, but we're coming at it from different kind of mental perspectives. Um, which is quite quite interesting. Yeah, because everyone learns in a different way as well. It's where there's different yeah. elements. Uh, some people are visual learners, and some people are mm. like they need the the sound. They're kind of audio based learners. Um, yeah. And some people need to do it as well. There's the physical 
side of it. So it, I guess it, the thing is, it's, it doesn't really matter so much where it comes from, but it's just being open to all these different ideas. And uh, the great thing is we have all of these different options to us nowadays. So it's, yeah. uh, it's great whether you get your content from uh, podcasts or whether it's from documentaries or books or audiobooks, wherever it doesn't ultimately, it doesn't really matter. It's just how you, um, how you are receptive to that, whether you're open to new ideas and how, and whether you're curious, uh, I think that's important, yeah. having that inquisitive mindset. Yeah. Being curious. That's a, you know, it's a quite a key word in that I think is, uh, is being curious. Um, I think there's a lot of people um, maybe in society now who are, who are very much closed-minded and you know, you know, black is black and and you know, white is white kind of thing. Where they don't accept any other kind of possibilities. Like it's just this is what it is and that's it. And it just I don't know if that's a like a Facebook generation thing or a, you know, social media generation thing where where people just kind of see what's right in front of them and that's must be what it is. Where they don't look at you know any other possibilities um which is quite quite a sad quite a sad way to love your life i guess i think i think people get caught in echo chambers in that respect don't they they get fixed mindset and they get caught in an echo chamber of everyone thinking the same as them and everyone agreeing that the way they're doing it is correct and it's the way my parents did it or it's the way that it's always been done um, and while there's definite benefits to that, there are times where, as you rightly say, Chris, you know, turn your head, look left and right, and, you know, is there a better option out there? Um, especially when you get exposed to new ideas, like you were saying, Ben, you know, the first time you, you started to, to suffer those panic attacks, you weren't, as you say in the book, you weren't kind of sure what they were. And, and you had to mm. do a bit of it and, you know, go down the CBT, um, you know, cognitive behavioural therapy and, and open up that side of it. Did that lead you down to the Stoics, the cbt or did the stoics come before the cbt um i think when i was reading i got into stoicism first and then i was just trying all these different ideas out and started reading about cbt and actually the relationship between the two of them is so similar um and you can see that cbt is heavily influenced by stoicism and it's just that how do you think and focusing on how you respond to what's going on in your mind and not believing everything that you think as well which is uh really quite an interesting concept as well. Um, mm. So I found CBT, it was just this kind of modern approach to stoicism. They, they go really well together. Um, they they complement each other. So it, it's nice to read about something very similar, but just slightly different take. And yeah, just trying to mix up all of these different um, concepts and explore. So yes, first it was stoicism and then, then got into a bit of CBT afterwards. Okay, that's cool. And the one category that you haven't spoke about of your challenges, because you mentioned the mental and the physical, we also did the skill challenges. So yeah. out of the skills challenges you mentioned in the book, and obviously a few, the one that I liked was the, uh, you know, the member in the deck of cards. Or, did you class that as a skill? Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I couldn't remember if that was a mental or a skill one. And then the, the Rubik's Cube, because they are two things that always fascinate me. And I know we've been talking Dwex, growth and fix, but I have a total fixed mindset on the Rubik's Cube. I just want to pull them apart to make them work because I can't ever get it to reset. And I know there is a pathway out there, but it's yeah. mathematical. My brain doesn't do maths. Like I can, a bit like Chris is saying, I can count and I can add and subtract that, but I can't do like maths. And to me, a Rubik's Cube is a maths. It's, you know, it's integers and, you know, so many pathways. But how did you go about learning to crack? you know, something like that, like the Rubik's Cube or, or learning a deck of cards. How did that kind of 
I suppose, the path or the route that you took down to, to master that skill? Yeah, so that's, I was like you, actually. I had a real um, fixed mindset with it. I thought it would just be too hard because it's, it's depicted in the modern world as something that represents like people who are geniuses, that they just can solve the Rubik's Cube. And actually, that's not the reality. It's just, it takes a little bit of time. And all it is is learning a pattern. You're learning just, you're memorising a series of twists. And that's it. You just got to remember how to do that. And that takes a little bit of practice. But again, this is great for your mindset because for me anyway, I had this real barrier with it. So it was more about challenging the barrier um, and that sort of self-limiting belief. And that's really what the, a lot of the skills are about. So the skills categories, stepping outside of your academic and intellectual comfort zone and trying all of these new things um, and dealing with that frustration that when you just, you've just you got that cube, you just want to throw it across the room because it's just so frustrating and it's just taking a while. But that in itself is a brilliant lesson. So um, I had a lot of fun with that, uh, playing around with it. Did you fall down in it? Because I actually watched the documentary maybe a couple of months ago, just randomly. It was like 25 minutes long. And it was a, it was like the Speed Cuban World Championships. And that shit blew my mind. Like, <laughs> it lets me, Chris, they, they do Rubik's Cubes in like three and a half seconds. It's obscene how quickly these, mm. I, I'll use the word freaks as in freaks of nature, but like the, the way their, their, their hands move supernaturally fast. So did you go down any of those rabbit holes watching them, Ben, when you are learning to crack the Rubik's? <laughs> well, it's it's fascinating watching it. Like I I my friend has actually just got into speed cubing. So he's he bought me a speed cube. This was like the other month. He sent it, sent it to me. And it's like a special cube that's magnetic, so that when you when you twist it, it's quicker. Um but actually just because I can solve it in under a minute, but and that's that took a while to get to that stage, but my friend is now trying to get it sub 30 seconds and then the leap to get down to sub 30 seconds is insane. And that, that actually then you've got to learn so much, uh, so much more. There's so many different algorithms that you've got to learn. Um, so that's taken him quite a long time. But it's in, but then when you watch these people who've been um, breaking the records, it's just unbelievable. They just look at it and then they just know it's like they look at the colours and the pattern and they know the mm. solution, which is a certain amount of um twists and they've got to do it like in a couple of seconds it's unbelievable it's really amazing to watch yeah. actually it is i wonder if they do yeah. I, I, i'd read again talking about marine but i'd read a thing about um chess grandmasters and how they identify a board so quickly because they actually use a different part of their brain they don't see the board as like individual components so they don't look at like the rook the knight the pawns here on this point they actually kind of group it into patterns like we do with faces where, you know, when you see someone from a distance and you just know it's your mate because that shape's built into them. And I wonder if it's similar with that. that as you say, they look at the, pick, the, the, the the formation and they don't see it as, you know, yellow, red, blue. They see it as shape one million, whatever it might be. Yeah. And if we do this, that converts it in the space of seconds. It'd be interesting to see an MRI of the brain as they're, they're playing with the Rubik's Cube. Yeah, I think it would be because there would be that part of their brain which has really developed uh, and that they're they're able to lean on that whenever they have to do it. And I, yeah, it's yeah. interesting to see how it would translate into other areas as well. Yeah. They, 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 uh, they grandmasters and they, they had like boards in the middle of games that had been played by two grandmasters and they would show them the board for three seconds and cover it and go replicate it. 
and they could mm. replicate it with absolute perfection. And then if they got like two kids who had never played chess to go, just put those pieces on the board, the kids would just put them wherever so there was no defined pattern to play. And they would go, there you go. And they would cover it back up and you would see them going, no, because they, they weren't looking at the pieces. They were looking for that pattern of that's the, you know, yeah. the Puskas opening or whatever they call it. You know what I mean? They were looking for the patterns and couldn't see it because there was no pattern there. And I imagine that's the only way those 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 guys can do cubes that fast. They must be activating that part of their pattern recognition. Yeah, and and years of practice as well to get it to that level. Yeah, it's got to keep drilling it for isn't, a long time. Isn't isn't intelligence a, a, an amazing uh, an amazing thing? Um, yeah, it's you know it's what what always what you know one thing that I find crazy is there will be people out there who can naturally just do those things. You know, there's something that just, you know, like, you know, um, something that you could, you know, see a, a, you know, a really complex math equation and it just makes sense because that's just the way that, the you know, their head, that makes sense in their head. And then there's other people like me that look at it and go, I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's quite, a, it's such a, a fascinating thing. And, um, you know, like, you know, said, you know, you know, doing a podcast is you speak to so many different people and um everybody's everybody's interested in, in their own way if you allow somebody to speak and listen to what they're saying everybody's interested in their own way and it's, it's everybody's got this like whether they whether the person thinks they do or not they all have an interesting story to tell that you can learn things from um regardless of uh you know, background or, or or their thought process or anything. There's always things that you can pick up, and it's interesting to listen to people. I mean, you you two are talking about things there that I'm going, what the fuck are you talking about? But it's really interesting. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? And I, you know, you know what's funny. You know what's funny. This is this is this is, again. This is the way my head works. So you're tell, you know talking about guys doing Rubik's cubes in three and a half seconds and grandmasters looking for patterns. And in my head, I'm going, Bet they're all shit paper, wallpaper and stuff. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> because they probably, you know, they probably have to get a painter and decorate into wallpaper in the living room. So, are they really that smart? It's like the old thing of, uh, you know, if you tell a fish to climb a tree, it's going to think it's stupid. Yeah, I think that's an Einstein quote, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely something yeah. like that. So it's just, you know, it's it's, a, it's super it's super interesting, and um. You know, I think uh, we should all encourage people to speak to more people, just to find out you know what they're all about and how their brain works, and you know you can pick up things from from everybody, like from from any what you know. Obviously, there's some people who are just morons, and you you won't pick up anything from them. But um, you know, I mean, mostly you can pick up things from people. Where you go, oh, that's interesting. If you're open to that idea, but you have to be open to the idea in the first place, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think also what you were saying is right. It's if you are trying enough different things, you're yeah. going to find certain things will connect with you. And actually you'll realize that, oh, you are quite good at this naturally. But if you don't, there, there could be something that we're all amazing at that we haven't tried. Yeah, um, exactly. So that it's just, it might just click with us, but we haven't quite found it. So it's, it's yeah. I think being open and trying to explore all of these different things, very easy yeah. to get set in our ways, but actually... You know, you yeah. might be the next greatest snake handler on the planet, but you just no. haven't given yourself no. the uh, the opportunity. No, no, 
That's not nope. Um, I don't want to talk about snakes again. Uh, no, I always think that's about um, you know, in, in every you know, you know, I would say sports, but in every you know, every aspect of life, there's one person that um, you know just does things uh, that, that that don't make sense. So you know, you you know, Lewis Hamilton just Lewis Hamilton just. Um, you know, won the most F1 races ever, uh, beat the record. Uh, you know, if you look at Roger Federer or you look at, you know, whoever, um, and any, there's always one person that you go, how the, they're just like, they're, you know, they have a God-given ability to do that thing that they found. And they're super lucky that they found it. But there will be, you know, one person out there, could be anywhere in the world, who could solve a Rubik's Cube in two seconds because it just, this just makes sense, you know, the patterns or the colour, whatever it is, you know, that's super fascinating that there will be people who, you know, there could be someday anywhere in the world that could just be an outrageous tennis player, but they'll never try. That's crazy. That's a crazy concept. Do you know what I mean? Or, or you yeah. know, the best mathematician that's ever lived could be the next Einstein, you know, the you know, next Albert Einstein could be, you know, living next door to you and you but he's he's never tried. So he just, you know, He's playing computer games. I mean, you know, you'll, you'll never figure that out. That's amazing. That's a, an amazing concept that um, everybody has an ability. They just sometimes don't know what that ability is. Um, I, I, that's something that I think about quite regularly. An interesting kind of concept that is deep out there, um, and that, you know, there are people that just find their, their, their niche and they're, they're amazing at something that's, that's um, fascinating. <coughs> Sorry, I'm went on a little tangent there, Moan. <laughs> no, 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 it's good. No, I agree. I think it's really interesting how um, different people can unlock their potential by putting themselves out there. And it all comes back yeah. to like just stepping outside of their comfort zones and actually just trying yeah. different things. So you might naturally just discover what you're really into, but unless you're putting yourself out there and you're doing all of these different things, you you might not encounter it, which would yeah. be a shame. See, we, took, we brought it we brought it full we brought it full circle there back to taking yourself out of your comfort zone, right? <laughs> yes. I was going to say, looking ahead to 2021 then, Ben, what challenges have you got lined up? Because I would imagine anything for this year has maybe been put a little bit in the back burner with everything that's gone on. Have you got plans for new challenges to take you through 2021? Uh, so there's lots of things that I've got in my head. There's nothing actually in, on paper in the pipeline because it's, uh, yeah, as you said, there's certainly some challenges that we're all having to face at the moment. Um, so there's things that I'd like to do. A lot of them are kind of physical goals. I've got some running goals that I'd like to do next mm. year. Um, and there's a few things that I will, if you're following me on Instagram, there's lots of things that you'll see that are coming up. Um, so I won't go into them too much, but yeah, it's, uh, I'm looking forward to continuing to do this and continuing to find different ways to, uh, to push myself, but it's a, a like a, an evolving concept so you've got to keep doing it and just sometimes life will just uh present you yeah. with challenges anyway so i think it's uh it's I just think, balancing everything. you know i think as as long as you're on the path constantly to becoming a better you know more rounded human being that's i mean that's 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 all you could really you know hope for and aim for right is just to become 
a better person, you know, whether that's, you know, whether that's been, you know, better read or it's, you know, been, you know, able to run a little bit further or, you know, climb a little bit higher. As long as you're on that path to being a better human being and, a, you know, a nicer human being, that's that's all, you know, I think we could all aim for because everybody's got their own little things that they're not good at or they don't like or they hate doing, they hate facing, they don't want to face up to this um, or, or whatever it is. Um, so I think as long as we're all heading down the same path of being nicer to everybody um, and moving forward, um, yeah, I think that's probably the most important thing in life. Yeah, progress, moving forward, self-improvement, I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. 100%. As, as we're heading on towards the end of the episode, as we're heading through kind of 57 minutes here, and we said we'd kind of keep it to the hour. If people are looking to find out more about you, Ben, where could they look for you on? I know you mentioned your Instagram there, and we can send some people your way. We'll tag this in the show notes as well. Yeah, so um, the best place is probably my website, which is benaldridge.com. And that's got a link to all of my social channels, so Twitter and Instagram. And there's an active blog there and a newsletter. So that's probably the best place to come. And there's loads of pictures from my project. Uh, and my book is, you can get it on Amazon and well, basically any uh, like bookshop online, Waterstones, whatever. Um, so that's just also the links on my website. So it's probably the best place to go, uh, benaldridge.com. And then that will set you up. Nice, nice, cool. Well, and I just didn't know we try and get it in just under there, which I think we're going to do. So, um, Chris, anything you want to add in before we wrap this? I know I was just, you know, I was just going to say, you know, as as a, as a plans to write some more books, uh, Ben. Oh yeah, yeah. There's there's loads of books in my head, so it's um, okay. it's just time. It's just time, really. So it's uh, yeah. yeah watch yeah, this space. Man, I, know, I know that feeling, but yeah, the um. So when you, you know, we'll, we'll keep an eye on you, and when you when you do another book, I promise I will read another <laughs> book that you release before, you know, what, 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 you know, if we're still doing this, we'll, we'll speak to you again, and I will. That's, I uh, that's my promise to you. The takeaway for this is, is, is uh, I will read a book of yours when you release it, and, we'll, and you know, we'll, we'll speak to you about it. Um, you know, when the next time you do one, so um, I will say your yeah, your, your writing a, yeah. style, your your writing style, Ben, is tremendous. I love how conversational it is. It's it's really easy to get into. You know, it's not heavy, it's not technical. You write it. This thing, this might sound weird. I don't know if you planned it, but when I read it, it felt like you were saying, Chris. You know, about the audiobooks, it almost felt like you were there, kind of talking. Mm. Like I know I've spoken to you before. I read it because I read it about a year ago the first time. But it felt very conversational. It didn't feel like a, a textbook. It didn't feel like a non-fiction book in a way. Um, it yeah. almost felt like we were sat and you were talking about all would, the, the challenges would, you were going through. Would, would that be because it, it meant so much to you? You know, it was a personal experience and it meant a lot to you. That's This is kind of what I mean by sometimes when I've read anything, they maybe feel, or, or even listened to an audiobook, they feel a little bit empty. But, you know, you know, Ali's saying that, you know, how your book reads. Is that because it meant a lot to you? It was a, a, a personal thing. Uh, to be honest, I think the reason it's, it's that's just how I like to write in quite a loose, relaxed way. And it's, uh, it's something that just has happened naturally. That's kind of how I like to put everything on the page. 
um, and it's just come together like that over time. Um, it's just finding the, a light a lightness because some of the subjects are quite heavy. So I think it's important mm. to be able to to write about it without it getting too too serious. Like some of the stuff I like suggest and talk about is quite silly, um, but that's just part of my personality as well. And I just like mm. to keep it open and uh, not too not too serious. Yeah. Well. Um... Thank you very much for your time. It's been uh, certainly an interesting conversation. And as, as always, there's been a couple of things that um, I know I certainly will take away from, from the conversation. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, conversations are always worth having. Definitely. One thing I did say I would get you to do one of your challenges, Ben, was in the book, you famously oh, yeah. uh, learned the longest train station oh, yeah. which the Welsh one <laughs> all I know is it finishes go 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 or something along those lines so putting you on the spot can you still recite the full Welsh train station I can but uh, to be honest if someone from Wales is listening they're probably going to have a have a heart attack because <laughs> I'm probably going to massacre it but it's uh it's something like this it's it's <laughs> just there's just no need but, for anything to, <laughs> to be that long. Like, it's it is it's a ridiculous word. I love it. I think it's brilliant, and uh, I'm I'm sure that there I could improve my uh, pronunciation. But it's that it took a, it took a long time to get that anyway. But it's uh, it's brilliant. I love the in the station. It's just it's on a like on on a sign, and it just takes up like most of the station because the word is so long. Do, no, no, just just uh, just before we go, do they, do you know do the locals shorten that to anything? I think it, it yeah, it can be shortened, but it's um like you would have they, to, they, right? you don't have you wouldn't have the time in your life to say that every every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a shortened version, but I think they take pride in the the name of the town. Oh, because really? okay. I there's okay. A, I think there's a local football team, and on the the crest, there's like the whole word like all the way around. It like literally takes up the whole <laughs> um, <laughs> the whole circumference of the the badge. But it's uh, yeah, I think you know they're proud of it. It's really cool. It's brilliant. Yeah. I just, great, I've, great. Always, I've always wondered if you get a ticket there, do you get like one of those like novelty sized checks when you win the lottery <laughs> train ticket? You just take it, son. I feel like uh, I feel like it's, it's something that I should do now is, is go to I'm not even gonna try and say that name, is go to that town and uh, you know, just to go to the train station. I think it'd be a fun yeah. thing to do. Yeah, why not? Exactly. Yeah, man. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, on that, Ben Aldridge, thank you very much for your time this evening. It has genuinely been a fun conversation. Um, hopefully as well, a lot of people get a lot out of it. And uh, I would highly recommend your book to anyone as I've really enjoyed reading it and rereading it again as we were trying to refresh my memory from a year ago and some of the, the stuff you've done. So thanks very much for taking time. Really appreciate it. Uh, it's, it's been fun, man. Yes, thank you so much for having me on. It's been great chatting to you both. Really appreciate the invite. So thank you. Awesome. Well, episode 47, Sally Goose Gang with Ben Aldridge, done and dusted. The Silly Goose Gang Podcast.